Good to see each of you here this, uh, this morning. Certainly have a good number of visitors among us. We're grateful for your presence. We always invite you back at any opportunity uh, that you may have, and we're grateful uh, that every single person gathered here together has made it a point uh, on their first day of the week to uh, gather together and to worship God. You know, as, as it concerns our walk with Christ, as it concerns the way that you and I live our lives as Christians, you and I know that we are to be concerned with about, with, with about being as effective in the Lord's kingdom as we can be. You know, that should be our number one goal in life. Aside from going to heaven and taking as many people with us as we can, you and I should be doing all that we can to be as effective, to be as influential in the Lord's kingdom as we possibly can. It's completely opposite, isn't it, when you think about our world. When we look at our world and what our world wants, our world has a desire and a lust and a want for things that are completely opposite for you and I as Christians. When we think about our world, our world wants things like money. Our world wants things like power, position, uh, social status, popularity, friends. Our world wants all of these things that are so different and so opposite from the things that you and I should strive for as Christians. But when we look at these things in the world, we understand that they're all fleeting, aren't they? They're all passing. They don't hold any merit. They don't hold any value. They don't hold any weight. They're just simply going to be done away with. And instead, you and I as Christians, people who are trying to be effective in the work of the Lord's kingdom, we need to be doing on all that we thinking about all that we can to help point us in a heavenly direction, doing all that we can to spread the borders of the kingdom and making sure that our faith that we are faithful. You know, when it comes to each of us as individuals, certainly we all have different talents. When it comes to you and I as individuals, we all have different abilities and things that we can accomplish to be effective within the work of the Lord's kingdom. For individuals, that perhaps something that they can do is they can lead singing. We have great song leaders here. There are some people who can teach classes, who can, who can preach sermons. There are some people who can be effective in outreach. There are some people who can be effective with visitors. There are so many different things that so many different people can do as it concerns being effective in the work of the Lord's kingdom. Many things that different people do. And yet, here's the interesting thought. While we all have different abilities, while we all have different things that we can accomplish, there's one surrounding, one underlying fact, that being we serve the same God. Despite having the ability to do different things, we all serve the one same true and living God despite having different talents and abilities. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning in verse 4, the Apostle Paul said, There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities. But notice this. He says, But it is the same God who works all in all. You see, even while serving God with different abilities, even while serving God with different talents and being able to be effective in different ways within His kingdom, there are some things that are still expected of every single Christian. That it doesn't matter who you are, it doesn't matter where you are in your walk with Christ, it doesn't matter how spiritually mature you might be, there are some things that are expected of every single person all the way across the board despite where you may be in your personal walk with Jesus Christ. What are these things? There's five things I want to point out to you uh, this morning. Five things that I think are very practical as it concerns the abilities that you and I, every single person here, should be able to possess as a Christian. Here's number one. As it concerns the abilities of a Christian, you and I must have availability. Think about this. How available do you make yourself to Almighty God? Have you ever thought about that before? 
How available do I make myself as a Christian, as an individual, how available do I make myself to God? You know, as Christians, when we think about our lives, obviously, we have yielded our lives in faithful service to Jesus Christ. That's the whole point of becoming a Christian. You and I are plunging our lives into a submission of yielding over our will and faithfully following Jesus Christ and the commands that He has given to us. Before anything in our life, Jesus Christ and His will comes first. My availability to God has everything to do with my priorities. My availability to God has everything to do with what I deem to be the most important thing in my life. It's a very dangerous thing because sometimes you and I make ourselves unavailable to God, don't we? Sometimes, despite uh, maybe some, even some of our best efforts, we, perhaps through things in our lives, make ourselves unavailable to God. And when you and I do that, when we make ourselves unavailable to God, when we slam the door on God, we immediately open the door to something else. A couple of things I want to think about. When I become available, unavailable to God, I immediately become available to myself. When I become unavailable to God, I immediately open up the door to myself. You know, so much of our lives is consumed with me, myself, and I, isn't it? So much of our lives is consumed with me and what I can do for myself. How can I can make my life better? My wants, my wishes, my desires. And yet, interestingly enough, when we look at the general theme of Christianity, it is all about focusing on who? Not on ourselves, but on Jesus Christ. What did Paul say in Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20? He said, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives in me. Paul says, I'm no longer living for myself. I have crucified that. I have put that to death. I have put that away. And I am now living for Jesus Christ. He says, I'm no longer available to myself. What about 2 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning of verse 17? The Apostle Paul writing his second letter to the church at Corinth, he says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, if anyone is a part of the body of Christ, if anyone is a Christian, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. The old things, the old life, it has all been done away with. It has all gone away when someone pledges their life in service to Jesus Christ. Selfishly living for myself is something that I put away. Galatians chapter 5, verse 24, Paul said, And those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. You don't have to understand that being a Christian, someone who is belonging to Christ, someone who has given their lives over to the Savior, it has everything to do with putting away, putting to rest, putting to death my selfish wants and everything that I want for myself. Yet when I become unavailable to God, I immediately reopen that door. And I allow myself to make all the decisions that I want for me and for my life. Here's number two. When I become unavailable to God, I immediately open up the door to the world. When I become unavailable to, to Almighty God, I immediately open up that door to the world around us. We all know passages like Romans chapter 12 and verse 2, where Paul said, do not be conformed to this world. We know 1 John chapter 2 and verse 15, where, Paul, or where John rather said, do not love the world or the things that are in the world. We know James chapter 4 and verse 4, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with Almighty God? Writer after writer in the New Testament focused on not loving this present world. 
I'll go all the way back to the Old Testament. We just came out of a survey of the Old Testament. We looked at, at the course of the children of Israel and how time and time and time again, we see a lot of their fundamental problems. They had a lot of issues in the way that they conducted their lives. But one of those issues that got them in trouble time and time and time again was the issue of them wanting to be just like the world around them. That was what got them in, in trouble in the first place. Whenever they wanted a king, why did they want King Saul? Because they wanted to be like the pagan nations that were around them. It was because they had made themselves unavailable to God. You see, when I put God in the backseat of my life, and I take the reins myself, and I try to conduct my life the way that I think it needs to go, I immediately make myself available to the world around me. By not putting God first in my life, I immediately mark myself. I'm ready, I'm open, I'm available to the world. Come get me. Here's number three. Becoming unavailable to God, I immediately become available to the enemy. I immediately become available to the enemy. Surely, no one purposefully does this. I don't think anybody does. Nobody wakes up in the morning and thinks, today I'm going to make myself available to the one being that hates me more than anything else. Surely, nobody wakes up and thinks that. Nobody goes out the front door thinking that thought in their mind. But we do do that when we look at God and we say that there are more important things than serving you in my life. When we look at God and we say, my job is more important. When we look at God and we say, there are, there are other extracurricular things in my life that are more important than serving you, we immediately mark ourselves as available to our enemy. When you make yourself unavailable to God and for His use, we make ourselves available to the devil and for his use. Whether you know it or not, you're going to be used by him. There's no third option here, is there? There's no option B. There's, there's no uh, other option that you might could ever think of that you could go for. Here's the thing. You can be a Christian. This is the scary part about it. You can be a Christian. You, you can walk in these doors. You can sit in, in these chairs week after week. You can participate in worship and you can still make yourself unavailable to God, can't you? You can still come week after week and still only be available to the enemy. By doing so, by looking at things in our, in our everyday lives, things that Christians should deem important, if we look at them and we think they have no priority value in my life, we'd immediately make ourselves available to the enemy. This happens by becoming cold. By growing cold in our faith. By growing cold in our zeal and for being effective in the work of the Lord. Boy, does our enemy love a mediocre Christian, doesn't he? Perhaps more so than just someone who is just simply not a Christian. Maybe we're talking about someone who lives a life for the world, someone who lives in the world. That's easy to spot, isn't it? That's easy to look out and to think they live for the world. We, we, we know that. We can spot that right away. But for someone to wear the name of a Christian... But then for someone to be not 100% wholly dedicated to Jesus Christ. That's who the enemy is after. That's who he loves. Don't be that kind of person. Don't be the kind of person because where you have made yourself unavailable to God, you have become someone who is loved by the enemy. Don't be like that. Instead, rather, be someone who is like Isaiah. Be someone who, like Isaiah, made himself available to God. Where in Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 8, he said, Also, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then he said, Here am I. Send me. Two things that I think are important for us to understand. Number one, if I'm going to be available to God, I have to first hear the Lord. 
If I'm going to make myself available to God to be effective in His kingdom, I first have to hear the Lord. Isaiah was listening for God. He was ready for God. He was ready to do what he needed to do. And likewise, the same is for us. If you and I are going to make sure that we are available for the work of the Lord to be effective in His kingdom, then we must be able and willing to hear the Lord. How do we do that? Through our study of the Word of God. If I neglect my study of the words of God telling me how I am supposed to live my life, then how in the world will I know what I'm supposed to do and how I can be effective in the kingdom of God? But here's number two. I have to be willing to step up to the plate. When it came time for Isaiah to go out and to do what God wanted him to do, he went, didn't he? He didn't say, God, here I am, and then say, actually, I don't want to do what you just told me to do. I want to go do something that's a lot easier. That's not what he said. Isaiah immediately went and did what God commanded him to do. You and I have to be willing to step up to the plate even when times are hard. We have to make ourselves available to Almighty God. Here's number two. Another ability of a Christian is that of being teachable. Teachability. Am I someone who is teachable? You know, sometimes in life we meet people who maybe they view themselves perhaps as unteachable. I'm sure we have all come into contact with people like that. Maybe we, we, we come into contact with someone who thinks they know everything. They think that they've got it all. They think that they can't be helped. They think that they could never ever be wrong and that they are always, always in the right. The, the Pharisees come to my mind. When I think about individuals like this, people who studied the law, people who knew the law, people who helped enforce the law, they saw themselves as the standard. They saw themselves as, as, as someone who could possibly do no wrong and that there was no one who was more righteous than they. And that's one of the reasons as to why they had so many problems with Jesus and with His teachings. How do I become teachable? How do I gain this ability of being teachable as a New Testament Christian? Th four things I want you to think about. Number one, I have to take a dose of humble pie. If I am going to be someone who is teachable, I have to take a dose of humble pie. I, I have to understand that sometimes in my life, I don't know everything. There's a lot of times in my life, more often than not, where I don't know everything. Sometimes I have to be willing, we as Christians have to be willing to take a step back, swallow our pride, and realize that we are the ones who are being in need of being taught. Proverbs chapter 11 and verse 2, when pride comes, then comes shame, but with the humble is what? Is wisdom. If you and I want to be wise, we need to make sure that we have a humble attitude. Otherwise, we won't be able to learn. We won't be able to grow. We won't be able to improve. We won't be teachable if we are humble about the way that we view ourselves in the first place. Here's number two. I have to be eager to grow. Once I'm humble, I have to, be, I have, to have an eagerness to grow and to improve my life as a Christian. I have to understand again, I don't know everything. There are areas in my life that I need to improve. I need to fix. I need to get better in. And the only way to do that is to see that opportunity for growth, to make my life better, to make my life stronger, to, to, to make it of, of greater quality than it formerly was. Luke chapter 17 and verse 5, the apostles were begging Jesus to help him to increase their faith. They wanted to grow. They wanted to get better. They wanted to strengthen themselves as individuals. But we have to understand that within all of our opportunities for growth, oftentimes comes difficulties. Oftentimes when we strive to grow, we strive to improve, we also have to go through growing pains, don't we? We also have to go through times where it's difficult, times where our faith is tested. That's when we have an opportunity to grow. Number three, I have to be willing to accept criticism. 
And I think this may be one of the hardest ones that we have to try to implement into our lives if you and I are to become teachable. In Acts chapter 18, you remember Apollos was teaching, but he was teaching some things that were incorrect. And Aquila and Priscilla had to pull him aside and they had to teach him the way more perfectly. If he was going to be someone who was effective in the kingdom in teaching the Gospel, he needed to be willing to accept the fact that he was wrong and that he was going to be criticized and then take that and make application in his life. We have to be willing to accept criticism. You see, if you and I are truly eager to grow, then we're going to want to know our flaws, aren't we? If you and I are truly eager to grow and to get better, we have to be willing to see our shortcomings so that we can improve on them. That's how I become teachable. By being humble enough to see that I have flaws, but then being willing enough to improve those things and to grow within them. You see, too many times, I think, we, I think when people approach us, we just assume that they are just out to get us. Too many times we look at people and we think that they just want what's bad for us. They want to bring us down and they want us to think that we're a terrible person because of the things that we do. But more often than not, 99.9% of the time, when Christians approach you, it's because they love you. It's because they have a care and concern for you. It's because they want you to get better. They want you to grow and they want you to improve. Too many times we're quick to think that people are out to make our lives harder, and yet what we fail to understand is Galatians chapter 6, beginning of verse 1, where Paul said, Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one uh, in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Verse, verse 6, or excuse me, verse 2, bearing one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Our brothers and sisters are here for so many reasons. And one of them is to be able to help keep us on the right track. We have to be willing to accept criticism. Here's number four. You and I have to make sure that we don't strive for glory. If we're going to be teachable, we can't strive for glory. You see, that's what the Pharisees did, wasn't it? That was their fundamental problem. Matthew chapter 23 and verse 5, the Bible tells us that they did all their works. Why? So that they could be seen by men. That was their whole purpose. That was their whole goal. So that they could gain this following. So that they could be individuals who were known by all men. But you see, if we do things for praise and for glory, then like we said before, we make ourselves unavailable to be used by Almighty God. That's exactly what our enemy wants from us, isn't it? He wants us to look at ourselves and to only think about what's good for us. He wants us to only focus on ourselves and to only try to, to, to look and, and try to gain things for us. And yet, what did Jesus say in Matthew chapter 18 and verse 4? Therefore, whoever humbles himself as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Matthew 5 and verse 16 tells us that we are to glorify our Father who is in heaven. That is what we strive for. Glory, yes, but glory for the Father not glory for ourselves. That's how I become teachable. Number three, another ability of a Christian, immovability. Immovability. When I think about the idea of being immovable, I think about someone who has a solid foundation. Someone who is firmly grounded, firmly standing on the things in which they believe, unable to be shaken, unable to be moved by any of the storms that perhaps come his or her way. Someone who is convicted. Someone who is built upon that which cannot be moved. You see, our God understood this concept. He understood it and He implemented it when He talked about the, the designing and the building of His church. In Isaiah chapter 28 and verse 16, the Bible says, Therefore, thus says the Lord God, Behold, I lay in Zion a stone for a foundation, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. Whoever believes will not act hastily. What is that stone? 
What is that foundation? Psalm 118 and verse 22, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. Who are we talking about? We're talking about Jesus Christ. We're talking about this sure foundation, this one that cannot be shaken, this one that cannot be moved, the one in whose words we must find ourselves firmly fixed. But what about us? What about us as people who are commanded, who are told to be immovable? How can we do that? I think we all in our minds go to passages like 1 Corinthians chapter 15, don't we? We go to verse 58 where Paul says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. What Paul is doing is he's telling his brothers and sisters that even though in the past they had been known to compromise their Christ-like behavior, they had been known to go back into the ways of the world, to be like the world around them, even though they had already been called up out of that. And he says, don't be moved. Don't be willing to compromise. Stand fast. Be someone who is strong in the faith. And in fact, if you go back some ten verses and you read that entire section talking about Jesus Christ, the chief cornerstone, overcoming death, being resurrected from the dead, conquering death, that, brothers and sisters, is why we can be immovable. That is why we are able to have confidence as someone who is a child of God. What about Psalm chapter 16 and verse 8? I have set the Lord always before me because He is at my right hand and I shall not be moved. Psalm 21 and verse 7, For the King trusts in the Lord and through the mercy of the Most High He shall not be moved. Psalm 66 and verse 9, Who keeps our soul among the living and does not allow our feet to be moved. Psalm 112 and verse 6, Surely He will never be shaken. The righteous will be in everlasting remembrance. What do all of these have in common? What do all of these have in common? What's the underlying theme between all of these passages? The idea that we are immovable. We are unshaken. We are withstanding. But only if we put our trust in Almighty God. That's the only way we are able to be immovable. If you and I firmly plant and ground ourselves within our faith and our knowledge of Jesus Christ and what He has done for us. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season whose leaf also shall not wither and whatever He does shall prosper. Psalm 1 and verse 3. Trust in Him and you will find yourself immovable. Here's number 4. Another ability of a Christian, that of approachability. Approachability. Am I approachable? Really in two areas. Am I approachable in concerning other people's problems? You see, this is, a, this is a goal that I strive for uh, day in and day out. Not just as a minister, as a preacher, but specifically as a Christian. This is a goal that we should all strive for in all areas of our lives. Are we approachable as it concerns other people's problems? Something that I believe to be so important in ministry. Someone, as someone who is a preacher, someone who is, is an evangelist, is for someone to be approachable. You see, for a minister, he stands up in front of you week in and week out, delivering sermons, delivering messages filled with things from the Holy Scriptures that are deemed he deems to be appropriate for the time, things that have been beneficial for him and for his life, things that have helped his faith grow, and he relays those things to his audience because he thinks that they will help them as an audience, as Christians, as a family grow, to become better, to be someone who can be immovable, and always abounding in the work of the Lord. But you see, those in the audience sometimes might feel like, well, I don't even feel like I can approach him. I don't feel like I can go talk to my minister, so why in the world would I ever want to listen to anything that he says 
in front of me on a daily basis. Obviously, you and I understand, we should be listening to the Scriptures, no matter who it is that that is presenting them week in and week out. But the adage is still true. No one cares how much you know until they know how much you care. As Christians, you and I have to be willing to show others that we truly care about them. That we truly love them. And then, people will feel like they can approach us with the things going on in their lives. We have to be willing to bear burdens. Galatians chapter 6, 1 and 2 again. We have to look at others with the attitude of understanding that you are someone that I want to help. That you are someone that I want to improve your life and to make your life better so that I can push you to be the best Christian that you can be. That's Philippians chapter 2, beginning in verse 3. Paul said, Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind. Let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. But then here's number two, and this one's even harder. Am I approachable concerning other people's problems with myself? Am I approachable concerning other people's problems as it concerns me as an individual? You know, you and I are not always going to get along, are we? We're not always going to get along 100% of the time about every single matter or thing that we ever discuss or talk about. Sometimes within the family of God, there is strife. Sometimes there is arguing. Sometimes there is bickering. I'm not excusing it, but that's just simply the reality of it because we're humans. But when that happens, are you someone who is approachable? Do you have an attitude of humility to where you are willing to hear out and to listen to all of those things that are being said of you when they approach you about the problem that they may have? Could it be that you're in the wrong? Absolutely. Could it be that maybe you're not in the wrong? Absolutely. But are we even approachable in the first place as it comes to the problem that's being presented? Too many times. Too many times we as individuals allow our own egos and pride to grow so large and to grow so loud that we aren't even willing to see or to hear the problem that's being presented in the first place. And whether or not we're wrong or right, we can't even stand the thought that we should be approached by someone because there is no way that you and I could ever, ever be wrong. We need to be approachable as it concerns the problems that people might have with us. Here's number five. An ability of a Christian that every single person should have is that of accountability. And I think that this may be the most important one, the most crucial one, as it comes to you and I as Christians. If there is nothing that holds us accountable, brothers and sisters, that allows us to live however we want, isn't there? If there is no authority, if there is no standard, if there is no bar that has been set, then you and I can live our lives however we want because we don't have to answer to anything. But you and I do know that there is something that holds us accountable. We know it's the words of Jesus and it's those words by which we're going to be judged. John chapter 12 and verse 48. Obviously, we must hold ourselves accountable. We're going to appear before God on the day of judgment. We're going to be judged, 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 10, according to the things that we've done. We're going to give an account of our lives, Romans chapter 14 and verse 12, and to help ensure our eternal security as Christians, we must hold ourselves to a standard of authority. That being the Word of Almighty God. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17, we referenced that in our Bible class uh, in our previous hour. It is that which makes us perfect. It is that which makes us complete. It is the Gospel that gives us everything that we need in order to be spiritually successful in this life. We must hold ourselves accountable. Number two, we need to hold our brothers and sisters accountable. 
And you have to be careful with this one, don't you? Because it's not in this attitude, this light of, I'm so much better than you and I can't wait to tell you what you did wrong. That's not the attitude that we're supposed to have. But rather it's an attitude of love. Again, Ephesians 4 verse 15, we're supposed to speak the truth in love. We, we, we want people to live righteous lives so that they can go to heaven and I'm holding them to the exact same standard that I'm holding myself to. I'm not looking at someone and thinking that there's a standard that they have to live up to that is so much higher than what I hold myself to or so much lower than what I hold myself to. When something happens, I put into practice Matthew 18 and verse 15. I go to them and I work it out. I'm not policing the brotherhood. I'm not policing my own congregation. I'm just simply looking out for the betterment of my brothers and sisters. But then here's number three. I have to hold our enemy accountable. Talking about the devil. I have to be willing to hold our enemy accountable. Don't forget who our common enemy is. You and I have the same enemy. We have the same being that hates each and every single one of us. We have the same being that only wants what's worst for us and that wants us to spend our eternity where He's going to spend His eternity in a place that was created only for Him. Matthew 25 and verse 41. Sometimes, however, our enemy can shrink into the shadows. Sometimes he can sulk back into a corner to where maybe we forget about him. We forget that we even have an enemy and then he approaches us and he thinks, I've got you. You and I need to hold him accountable for everything that he has ever done in this world and for everything that he's ever done in our lives and for everything that he ever will do should this world continue to be in an existence. We know 1 John chapter 3 and verse 8 that he's the one who sinned from the beginning. He's the one, the source of all of the evil and wicked in our world, that all started with Him. But here's the interesting thing. He wants it to end with you. Because He wants you to spend your eternity in a place called hell with Him. If you and I don't hold Him accountable, we become very susceptible to all of His tools, to all of His works, and to all of the things that He does in our lives. As it comes to the abilities of a Christian, there are a lot of things we could have talked about. There are a lot of things I think that are important for us to understand, things that we all need to make sure that we add into our lives. And yet, as we look at these five things this morning, I think they're very practical. I think they're things that are important for us to implement within our lives in order to be as effective workers in the Lord's kingdom as we can, because that's what our goal should be in this life to do all that we can to expand the borders of the Lord's kingdom, to be all, do all that we can to ensure that our place at the end of our time here on this earth is going to be heaven and so that we can take as many people there with us as we can. Perhaps you're here this morning and maybe that is not where your destiny, eternal destiny is going to be. Maybe you are someone who's here and perhaps uh, you are not a Christian. Maybe you haven't given your life over to Jesus Christ and you haven't sub submitted your life in service to Him. Know that you can take care of that this morning. You can come forward with any of your sins, confessing Christ's precious name, and we'll, do all, we'll baptize you into water, that water representing Jesus' shed blood. We can do all that we can to encourage you, to help you, to push you to be the best Christian that you can be, as we would expect you to do the same for us. Maybe you're here perhaps this morning, and maybe you are a Christian. Maybe your life's not what it should be. Maybe you are lacking in some of these abilities, and perhaps maybe your life is just simply not what it should be as a faithful child of Almighty God. Know that you can take care of that. Perhaps it's between you and God. Maybe it's simply between you and Him on a personal level, and maybe He's the only one who knows about it. I encourage you to take care of it with Him. But maybe it's in some kind of public form or fashion, and you need others to know that you've put those things away, you've asked God for forgiveness, and you want the forgiveness of your family here. Know that we will do all that we can to assist you, to help you, and to encourage you. If you have a need this morning, won't you come? Together we stand as we sing the invitation song. Thank you for listening to this recorded audio of a sermon that was preached at the Roanoke Church of Christ. 
If you would like to visit us, you can do so at 608 Dallas Drive, Roanoke, Texas, 76262, or you can visit our website at roanokechurchofchrist.org. We hope to see you soon, and may God bless you.